Our New Testament reading is from John chapter 8, verses 31 to 47. So John chapter 8, starting at verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son uh, belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me, because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not legitimate, illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come here on my own. God sent me. Why my language is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Where he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. This is the word of the Lord. There was once a king named Perseus who threatened ancient Rome. King Perseus. I've been reading Plutarch's Lives lately, so this has been in my mind. Perseus had inherited a great army from his father. An army of 4,000 horsemen and 40,000 foot soldiers. And Perseus prepared this army to fight the Romans. Now, the story of this battle is is very interesting, many twists and turns, but in the end, Perseus is defeated. He's captured. And here's the reason I tell the story. Perseus is captured, and he, he he knows what Romans do to captured kings, kings that have attacked them in battle. Can you imagine that sense of defeat? It was summer when he was captured. He would have sat in his chains, heavy chains on his wrists, Sweating, thinking of the humiliation. The Romans would march his wife and children, all enslaved. They would march them through the city, and Perseus would be forced to march behind them. Everyone would watch, looking to see how he reacted. What would you do? The Romans 
How's this? The Romans in such situations, they thought the honorable thing to do was kill yourself. You fall on your sword. Well, because of Perseus's cowardice and fear of death, that's what the Romans said, his cowardice and fear of death, Perseus writes a letter. He writes to the general who defeated him. He pleads for mercy. That right there, that emotion, that pleading for mercy, is where I'd like to begin this afternoon as we think about this passage in John. That recognition of need, pleading for mercy. We've been going through John for several weeks now. The book begins with a poem, those words that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is how John introduces us to Jesus Christ. He is the Word. He is with God in the beginning, before all time, before all creation. And this Word takes on flesh. He is born, and we read as he is baptized there in chapter 1 and begins to perform miracles. He changes water into wine. He heals people of their illnesses. He feeds 5,000 with a few loaves of bread. He walks on water. All of these miracles to demonstrate there in chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And what does that mean, really? Jesus is teaching, he's, he's teaching about himself and about our spiritual situation. And really, it's interesting, isn't it, that people are angry. In verse 13, they, they ask Jesus for some witnesses, someone to verify what he's saying. People are confused. There in verse 25, people ask Jesus, who are you? In verse 27, they did not understand what he was teaching. Well, Jesus explains that he is the Son of God, and the crowd is confused. So if that's your situation this afternoon as we read this passage, welcome to Christ Church. You're in good company. Maybe, maybe it's my preaching, that's possible, but uh, it's the reaction of the people here in the passage, their reaction to the teaching of Christ himself. What is he saying? Well, three things for us to think about today. Our spiritual slavery, our dark spiritual heritage, and the solution. Our spiritual slavery. Look down with me at uh, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now we see there in verse 31, Jesus is talking to an audience of Jews. This is why they bring up Abraham. God makes a promise to Abraham to give him true life and true freedom. And the Jews here are saying, we're his descendants. 
We can't be slaves. How strange, isn't it, to think because of their father, they could never be slaves. There's a song about this. Rule Britannia, Britannia rules the waves. Something. How does that? How does that go? Um, Britain's never, never, never shall be slaves. Because, because why? Because that's just who we are. Americans, we inherited it from you too. It's the same thing. We we think like that. And Jesus is saying, careful, careful. There's more than one kind of slavery. There's a worse kind. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sin is rebellion against God. It's rejecting his teaching. It's like my daughter. She's, she's two years old. I said, yesterday I came into the room, I said, hello. And the first thing she says to me is, daddy, no, no, no. <laughs> I haven't even asked her to do anything yet or said anything. And she's saying to me, no, no, no. And I thought, actually... I, I do this with the Lord all the time. I sit down to pray or I open my Bible and, and there's times when I'm just saying inside, no, no, no. Sin is like, sin is like this. Imagine, imagine meeting God. Say, say he becomes a man, the God who created you, the God who knows you better than you know yourself. How would that be? You might, you might plead like Perseus. You might, you might ask for mercy. But what happens in verse 37? Jesus says, you're ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. What a response. And it's a great illustration of sin, of rebellion against God. And Jesus is saying here that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a person a slave is property. And everything a slave does, it's by force. It's by fear. Jesus is saying that's how sin affects us. It makes us property. It takes away our, our personhood. It makes us act not out of love, but out of fear. And isn't it, isn't it interesting, the disagreement here? We can think we're free. And Jesus says the truth is, you're enslaved. You're not free at all. Well, how, how do we end up in this situation? How, how did we become slaves to sin? This is our second heading, our dark spiritual heritage. Look down with me to, to verse 39. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you were looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You were doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. 
Can any of you prove me guilty of of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Look at what Jesus says here about his audience. What shall we say about ourselves? I'm a Christian believer. This, this doesn't apply to me. Well, careful. There is a spiritual battle going on. And there is a devil. And if we think we are immune from him, then we are in the greatest danger. We might call this our dark spiritual heritage. You know, going back to, to Perseus, why did he decide to fight the Romans? This is something he must have spent a long time thinking about when he and his family were in prison. Why did I take on the Roman Empire? Uh, What was I thinking? Well, he inherited an army. His father had gathered all the equipment and all the soldiers. His father had made the, the preparations for battle. And then he died before he could use them. So Perseus inherits them. What else could he have done? We might, we might even describe our sin like this. It, it feels this way to me sometimes. I could say, I have an entire army at my disposal to rebel against God, to attack him and resist him. That's how easy it can feel. And Jesus is saying here that we need to recognize this, that, that who our Father is, it affects our behavior. Another way to think about it is the visit we had last week from, from Krish Kandia. He runs the charity Home for Good. They encourage adoption and foster care. And at the start of his talk, he said that only 1% of the population is in foster care. But this same group makes up 25% of the homeless and 50% of our prisons. A family makes a huge difference in life. It influences the choices we make, the things we value. Family influences the way we see ourselves. And here in our passage, both sides agree on this. So the the Jews agree that family is important. They say, Abraham is our father. And Jesus doesn't say that doesn't matter. He says in verse 39, If you were Abraham's children then you would do the things Abraham did. If you were his children, Jesus says, then you'd act like it. And there's serious consequences. In verse 44, Jesus says that you want to carry out your father's desire. It's a desire to murder and lie. And actually, I think the worst part is there in verse 47. The greatest problem is that a dark spiritual heritage, it prevents us from hearing God. We cannot hear his voice. So what's the solution? Slavery to sin and our inheritance of sin, these are serious problems, aren't they? And there in verse 35, Jesus says that a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. How do we become sons? Well, this happens when the Son sets us free. He is able to deal with our situation. He has a permanent place with God. 
He was there at the beginning of creation, and we were created through him, and yet he takes on flesh. He lives a sinless life, suffers the punishment we deserve on the cross. That's it. That's the solution. Verse 36, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And if you're expecting me to say more than that, then you might not yet be a Christian. That's the solution. The Son sets us free. But for Christians here today, maybe, maybe it's better for us to question how we can act more like sons than slaves. How is it that we can act more like sons than slaves? Because a slave, like we said, a slave acts out of fear. A slave has no sense of worth. And so often I find myself doing this. I act out of fear. I I question my worth. So here are some questions as we close to, to think about this together. How do I respond to God? How do I deal with, with anger and confusion at Christ's teaching? Do I plead with God for mercy? In other words, do I assume God is right and I am wrong? The people in our passage look down at their responses. In verse 33, they, they ask a question, one question. And then, then they make up their minds. In verse 39 and 41, they're making statements. So, so where in my life do I need to listen to God? Or better yet, to, to plead with him, to ask for understanding. Here's another question. How do I respond to unbelievers? I mean, this, this passage, what a marvelous display of humility, isn't it? Jesus goes back and forth answering questions with people who want to kill him, people who aren't listening to him. It's easy to be dismissive of, of, of people who disagree. I've been thinking about family and friends that I have a need to be more patient with because really, it's the Son who sets us free. And finally, this idea of family, it's so important. There, there in verse 35, where do we need to accept that we are brought into God's family? Family can't change. It, it doesn't depend on what you do or what you don't do. God is my Father. It's a truth that sets me free. I can talk to Him. Oh, what would that look like if we, if we recognize this truth as a church? That other Christians are our family as well. It's a good reminder to love other Christians as God does. To remember that we have the same Father. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, there is so much about you that we do not understand. Please forgive us for the places in our lives where we have no room for your word. Come into those places, Lord. 
We want to hear your voice. We want to know your truth. Thank you for bringing us into your family. Thank you for setting us free. Amen.